and welcome once again to another episode of Invest in the Word podcast. I'm Elder Luther Baker, your host. We have a great program coming your way today. My friend and brother from Nashville, Tennessee, Mr. Derek Lee, I'll be interviewing him today. He's the music director for over 35 years for the Bobby Jones Gospel on BET, and now they're currently on the Impact TV Network, and he's the music director for the Bobby Jones Presents television show. So stay right where you are. We've got some good things coming your way. And before we go into the break, if this is your first time joining me here at Invest in the Word podcast, reach out to me today. This is our website, investintheword.org. So stay right there. The interview with Mr. Derek Lee is coming up right after this. You've always wanted to record a CD project. Let Lux Monday Music Productions turn that desire into reality. We produce gospel music, which is the foundation of Lux Monday Music Productions. We also produce smooth jazz, like this one, featuring that unmistakable voice of Mesa. We all know that Jesus is the reason for the season. We also produce Christmas music. So take a few minutes to call today, 410-501-7422, for your next film or CD project. Download our music today at Amazon.com, iTunes, Spotify, CD Baby, Worldwide. Call today, Lux Monday Music Productions, 410-501-742. We have a great show for you today. My good friend and brother in the Lord and maestro, I'll call him the maestro, Mr. Derek Lee. Is hello, in the hello, hello, people. What's up, Derek? I'm blessed, sir. Oh, you looking well. We're looking like twins, man. Ah, yeah. You're white, baby. He's white. <laughs> yeah. I'm gravitating to it, actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're I very well. I like it, but now I like it. You know, just show seasoning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're from Newark, New Jersey, correct? That's correct. What was it like growing up in Newark, New Jersey? Well, um... To make it uh, a synopsis of the whole situation, because I can go on a long time with that. <laughs> I grew up in, a, in a, a preacher's home. My father and mother were preachers. My father, uh, the name of the church was Ebenezer Baptist Church in Newark, New Jersey, Reverend right. Lee. And uh, he was a devout uh, guy. You know, he was a special man. He had visions, and God gave him a vision to build a church. And he had never built a church before or mm-hmm. I drew a blueprint. He woke up the next morning and drew a blueprint and built a church by himself. Yeah, uh, standing today. That was back in 1957. Wow. And they're still dancing and praising in that church today. Unfortunately, oh, he and my mother are going on. But uh, yeah, going yeah. on about my rearing, I grew up uh, the youngest of seven kids. Mm-hmm. All of my brothers and sisters were extremely musical and talented. My mm-hmm. older brother was um, the lead singer for the Fiestas, who was signed to Stack Records. 
wow. back in the late 60s and 70s, and my yeah. was a major fashion designer. Wow. So um, I, I had a lot going on in my household coming up. Um, Look out. It was a music household, and mm -hmm. I stopped playing from my being around them, singing to my older sister, Earlene, played the piano. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always wanted to influenced you a lot, right? Earlene? I'm sorry? Earlene influenced you a lot, correct? Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just stopped playing when I was three years old, and God blessed me with that gift, and I went on to study. And I went on to a high school that was called uh, Arts High that was um, the prototype for, like, fame and those kind of schools. It was art and, and music. Wow. And uh, it was like a college, actually. So when I got to, to Fisk, not going too fast, but when I got to college, I was tutoring seniors in theoretical uh, concepts because I had four years of, of it before I got there. So, so you were like a prodigy. Oh, well, no, I don't call myself a project. I just call myself blessed. Mm -hmm. I gave me a gift, and I had enough system to try to make it, make it work. Remember, mm -hmm. we're a gospel town. Um, mm -hmm. We had the, um, the gospel celestials, you know, open our eyes. And yeah. as a Douglas, we had the Banks brothers. We had uh, Lawrence Roberts and Angela Choir. Wow. We had Revival Temple. We had, you know, right down the street, we had the Davis sisters, you know. And all during that time in New York, I had a choir at the church called the WLE called Ensemble on 75 singer strong and we would go all over the east coast and sing they were very popular and so through that time i got to meet and work with benny cummins and uh, um alvin darling and um mm -hmm. lewis gibson in connecticut kirk carr back then and uh mm -hmm. timothy wright and institutional mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i came up in a real gospel kind of um environment although you know i had that influence of my brother who was an r&b singer so I got just to have that influence as well, yeah. and that that whole. Yeah. So I, I had a cornucopia of things going on, coming up. I hope that gave you some kind of idea what was going on. And I had, and I, I was in conjunction with a partner named Archie Mitchell, and we kind of put this choir together. There were seventy-five young people strong. We were like in the 12, 13, 14, 15, and we were so popular. We were going all over the East Coast performing. And so we got a chance to meet and work and perform with these people constantly. We became friends with them. And they called us, you know, the little kids coming up. You know, we're the young kids on the block.
so that uh, really was a blessing for us and it gave me a lot of experience early mm -hmm. you know being how professionals operated and disciplined that kind of mm -hmm. thing yeah i mean because benny cummings isaac, isaac douglas they were uh, they were the, the top of the chain in, in the gospel. Oh my God! Banks yeah, right. Brothers, all those guys. Oh, yeah, they were oh, top yeah. of the chain. Mm -hmm. And and now you went to Fisk. Absolutely. You graduated from the um, the music school yeah. in 1976. Well, I went. I, I went there in 76. Okay, and you graduated in 81. It was a five-year program because I went into music education program. But I had actually had double major: piano. Performance and and music education. Mm -hmm. Now, did um, your sister Earlene specifically encourage you or influence you to play piano? You know, my brothers and sisters—they all sang mm -hmm. all holidays. You know, and they would get together all the time, and she'd be at the piano, and they would sing. Mm -hmm. Harmonies would just ring out, and the people just around the, around the community knew about you know my family mm -hmm. being so musical, and of course at the church as well. Mm -hmm. And so it was just natural for me to pick that up. Just you know, following you know, in the footsteps of what they did, right. and I was drawn to the piano. Mm -hmm. You know, I sang too, but I was also drawn to the piano. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, like I said, I started playing at three, and from that moment, I just started getting better. By nine, I was playing for the choirs at the church, right. and by twelve, right. I was playing for artists. I was doing wow. professionally work at that. Beautiful, beautiful. That's awesome. And you also directed a choir called the Black Martin Mass Choir when you yeah, got this. Yes, I did. Actually, a, a funny story about that. When I got mm -hmm. to Wayne, I was extremely a northern guy. You know, my friends, we were really, really, we thought D.C. was southern. You know, we thought that was country. You know, we were just New Yorkers. I was in that New York kind of field. Right. Yeah. But nevertheless, when I got to Fisk, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, trying to figure out, you know, this Nashville. I'm like, oh, my God, this is Southern. Real Southern. <laughs> KKK going to get me any moments, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but nevertheless, a guy came up to me named Arthur right. Green. I'll never forget it. Mm -hmm. He says, are you Derek Lee? And I'm like, yes. He says, well, uh, Isaac Douglas told us that you were coming here and we want you to play for Black Mass. I'm like, huh? You know, I had heard of Black Mass because I had done my whole you know, coming to the school. And I'm like, wow. So I was there at the airport before I even got my luggage. They gave me the choir in my hands. Look at here. So how does that make you feel? I'm sure you felt good about that. I, you know, I was, you know, you know, I guess when I look back on it, I guess I was amazed that I was so busy, you know, mm -hmm. being astonished or trying to live in the moment that I didn't think about it. You know, mm -hmm. trying to, you know, that as we go further, like I always said about the, uh, the gospel show, Dr. Bobby Jones Gospel. Mm -hmm. After 35 years, I never realized how you know what we were doing wow. after it was done. We were so busy doing it, yeah. So we yeah. Just didn't think about doing it. We just was doing it, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Bobby Jones was uh, was was an awesome. Uh, even when it first started coming on uh -huh. TV, it, it was so different. Yes. You know, it, it was. Yeah, it, it, showed, it gave gospel music a face of class. Because gospel music was considered a lower, you know, level kind of um, art form. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't respected highly as the other forms of music. Right. And uh, what Bobby Jones Gospel did, it gave it a face of class and elegance that associated with the music and that allowed people that would normally listen to the music to see it because it was packaged in such a way. And then they got the opportunity to realize that the awesome, awesome talent that is uh, you know is in this genre of music is just unbelievable the singers and the level of musicianship that uh, 
we have in gospel music is just it's just un, un, unparalleled. You know, nobody, you know, I, at any genre, you know, they they got to come a long ways to deal with some of these guys here. These guys are incredibly talented. Yes. Now, before we get too far into the Bobby Jones experience, okay, uh, you already mentioned that you sing. A lot of people don't know that yes, you sing. Now, now you sang with the Jubilee Singers. I did. Correct. I did you sing tenor or? I, yeah, I sang tenor. Okay. Singing with the Jubilee Singers, mm -hmm. and it was an honor because that that experience, uh, being a college student, it, it was uh, really amazing because it allowed me to meet uh, all kind of you know dignitaries, and we sang for queens. We did we traveled across the world, you know, doing that, and you know, with the likes of uh, uh, oh oh my God, and it just went on and on. I just kind of lose a ball and Artie Shaw and. I mean, the names that uh, assisted Tyson. Uh, we did. We did the United Nations. We did the Cap. We did Washington. We did. We did. We did everywhere. We did Haiti for the Prince of Duvanier. Prince Duvanier. We did. And through that experience, it taught me the um, the the struggle of black people and how that music to perform that music you had to live that time to emote that that the spirituals so it taught me the you know that that thing that that uh, black people had they hung on to to get them through those rough times yeah, and that, that, that they, all of my music that emotion and that that depth of uh down in your soul and determination yes sir what has carried this race to this point and will lead us on you know what? That is so well said. Um, I've heard uh, other ethnic groups yes. and persuasions sing uh, "Go Down Moses" mm -hmm. or uh, any other type of Negro black anthem, and they may sound good because the harmonies are good. Mm -hmm. But man, when when there's nothing like the black experience. Oh my God! You know we're not racist or anything like that, but it's true. Because we lived it. Let me just say, add this. You know, I, I was during that period there. We get to it. Um, I became a session player here in Nashville, playing piano. For every day, I did that every day, eight hours a day or more. And um, I used to do a lot of country sessions. And coming from, like I said, Newark and not being in, in drenched in country music, I had to study that genre. I had to get into the mindset. Of those people to understand how to interpret that music. Any every genre has to play it authentically. You have to get into where it comes from, how 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 it was was created, why it was created, to be able to emote that style of music. Mm -hmm. Or you know, when you start getting into different mental places, you start rounding yourself out as uh, you know a more you know uh, celebrated, as you would say, musician. You were trained. Because you understand more than one direction, you understand, you know, all the diversities that it takes to perform music. Like, in, as of course, in college I studied classical music. Right. My favorite was Tchaikovsky, you know. So, uh -huh. so that music has a whole another kind of approach to it. So, mm -hmm. I just um, just important to think about you know, for musicians coming up to study a music. You need to get into where it came from and, and do some homework, do your research on it, mm -hmm. and it'll, it'll give you another level of interpreting. And how to perform the music where people can receive. <laughs>
underneath a cloudy sky In the middle of December You share the thinking why Why do the leaves fall? Why does the sky fill up with gray? Just to know that you're with me 
have a question for you, uh, yeah. Mr. Derek. As a musician myself, uh, question for you. Is it necessary, if you give me your opinion, for a musician of any genre, but gospel music in particular, is it necessary for them to know theory or to read? Well, I, I don't think it's a, a must, but I think it, 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 it definitely is a help because it gives you another understanding mm -hmm. what you're doing. The, the whole idea, and when I very good question. Uh, while I was in college, when I got to college, as I said, I had studied theory uh, for four years in high school. So when I got to college, a lot of the students that were extremely talented, they had a problem relating to what they did to what what was on paper. They couldn't they couldn't translate. It, it, they couldn't work. And 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 I was able to help them to see that to make that reality come to life. And and, and I think. Adding that to you, first of all, as a musician, it gives you a lot of uh, diversity and allows you to get more gigs because you can fit into a whole lot of different uh, situations because you're able to read the music. Exactly. And I, I was able to do all the country. I did a, a lot of orchestral sessions mm -hmm. where you walk into the company because okay, and, and, and bar a hundred and twenty-five, a B three, that's an A flat, not an A natural. One, two, and then you play. Right. You know, so you really you coming on site when you 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 you're on. Mm -hmm. So that taught me and allowed me to get those triple scale sessions mm -hmm. because I was able to read music. Uh, awesome. awesome. Uh, I can remember uh, years ago when I was there and I did uh, in 1982, this is going way back. Awesome. Uh, uh, I had Everett on the um, episode 11 and I had him cracking up, man. I had him, he was probably crying tears, man, when I made this statement because uh, back in 82 when I was there when I had hair. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, you know, I, had, I had a whole lot of hair back then. Oh, well, you had the gum. You had the gummy thing going on, man. Now my neck, my hair is real curly, but it's all gone. I got some really right. And and I was impressed with you guys, man, because Nashville. Getting back, getting back to what you said about knowing various genres of music. Mm -hmm. I just sat down at the piano. I can remember this as if it happened yesterday, and you sat beside me. I still remember you had a white shirt on, you had black pants, right? Just turned 65, but I can still remember, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and you used the uh, Nashville number system. Number system, right. And you were just asking me, well, where are you, go? where are you going here? And, and you just picked that thing up, you showed it to the other musicians, and you guys just came right in. Yeah, that, 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 was, I, uh, that, that was my tool. I that system... Uh, which is a takeoff from theory, you know, classical theory, but, uh, it is, it was a national number system that the country singers, you know, country players used. Exactly. And, uh, and so I said, oh, this works. So I taught all the musicians when I was on the road cutting records all over the country. I taught all the musicians during that time the number system. Wow. And because one is one in every key. Exactly. Well, so, so I did a thing for, um, was it Joe Thomas? I did an arrangement of You Were Always On My Mind for Scarborough. He was producing a session and wanted me to do an arrangement for, for Joe Thomas. Uh, what's it, Joe Thomas? I forget one of them blues singers. Mm -hmm. uh, you Were Always On My Mind. Well, I didn't know what key he was going to be, so I just wrote it in numbers. So when we got to the session, we had all these players, and so we had brought this drummer, all this folk from L.A., and nobody could read this, the, the chart but me and the, and the drummer because he could read it. <laughs> and Skip came and said, he said, you stuck all my L.A. musicians. Nobody could read this chart because they didn't yeah, know. Everybody. That was a natural thing. 
Wow. Like a, a, a quick little lesson on numbers. Like one is one in every key, so you indicate minor, major, or diminished, half diminished, or what what have you. Mm-hmm. And you you build a chords. So mm-hmm. like I said, and C, you know, you got C, and then you got D is D major until you make it minor. Mm-hmm. Three is E major until you make it minor. You see, and so wow. you can the kids like that. So you can and you you can listen to a song and write faster numbers instead of having to write A flat, A flat, B flat. Exactly. Here's on one time to write a chart, and then I get the chart and arrange it. I was so fast at one time, man, that they called me the fastest man in children. I could hear a song and write the chart as I'm arranging it, Amazing. and give it to the musicians, and then we play. Amazing. Um, uh, yeah. Everett said, "You, you are the arranger <laughs> of, of the." The, the second arrangement, and it was the arrangement of, of both arrangements <laughs> because you can, you can move so fast. I how that came about. You know, back on the show, Dr. Jones would like to repeat some of the songs, and so I didn't mm-hmm. do the song the same way. Mm-hmm. But then I rearranged the last arrangement I did. Mm-hmm. Then he'll come back two months later. I want to do that song again, then I'll rearrange that arrangement. <laughs> but we wound up with eight or ten arrangements of the same songs. <laughs> Unbelievable. See, so you see, folks, you see why I call him Derek Lee, the maestro. Oh, you're so he, Thank he's, you. talent, he's talented, he's gifted, and even more important than that, Derek Lee loves the Lord. And oh, that, is, that is such an awesome thing. That's, that, I, I couldn't have made it without him, I tell you. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, so what, what is the, the pattern of how you play? Do, do you have a, a foundation? That you use all the time, or does it change? Well, it's depending on what or style or what I'm what I'm playing. Right. I, that influence comes from uh, the Tchaikovsky and the Debussy, those kind of polychords, uh, as well as a jazz. You mm-hmm. know, that have, I've got a bit influenced by as well, mm-hmm. and uh, so I use all those things to put together to my style and. Mm-hmm. And sometimes with gospel music, you know, of course, if I'm playing traditional, I can, I can be straight at traditional. Exactly. But you've got to add a little edge. You start adding you know, some of those subdominants and some of those 13, mm-hmm. 11s, and pop 11s, and those kind of things, excuse me, mm-hmm. to uh, get a bigger sound to make the chord structure sound bigger. Yes, sir. You know, and that, like, you know, playing a tense in, in the left hand, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then you got five or eight notes in the right hand, then it, it makes the chord feel bigger, particularly if you just have piano, bass, and drums. Mm-hmm. So the, the sonority and everything, it just feels wider. Let me tell you a quick story about that real quick. Mm-hmm. I, went to, I was producing that record on Beverly. Uh, uh, Warner Brothers is for Warner Brothers, and they wanted um, John B. Keith to do the disarrangement of this song. Mm-hmm. And we got down to the week of the recording, and he hadn't done it. So to me, and God gave me this arrangement literally in 15 minutes. I sat down to the piano, and it just came out. And I went to the rehearsal that night and taught it, and that's what he Awesome. Jesus Christ. Maestro. You're the maestro. Big time. Question though, who who were the singers? Who were the singers? The background. Well, the singers was uh, a born again choir, as well. I brought in three uh, professional uh, background mm-hmm. singers: Bob Bailey, who's phenomenal, a girl named uh, Vicky Hampton, and a girl named Kim Fleming. Mm-hmm. I brought the, them in to you know like be out front, and 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 and, and uh, born again choir at the time they were quite uh, 
quite delicious. And then I brought in um, Orlando Draper to be a guest choir director. There you go. So you know we got some drama there as well. You, you don't have you, you don't have to say anything more. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it sounds the way it did. And, oh, and Bob Bailey is just ridiculous. Man. Oh, we, we, oh, that's a whole nother story. Me and Bob Bailey traveled together for years all over the world. We traveled yeah. just piano and vocal. And that's one of my best friends today. He's not a uh, performing uh, background with, uh, uh, what is the Brooks? What is that? George Brooks? No, what's his name? Uh, Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because he was with Well, Winona Judd. He was with them for a little bit. He was with them for a long And they, and Mickey, they left from there and went to Garth Brooks. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, went from PTL. Yes, that's, yeah. Oh, you know the history. Winona Judge. Oh, okay. Then, and then, then he moved, but see, after PTL, he moved to Nashville. Right. And that's how, when we met. Right. That was back, oh, my God, in, in 1978 or somewhere along there. Yeah. In yeah, fact, we, um, we together and, and right, we, me and him wrote Bring It to Jesus together. That's on Bobby Johnson's record. It, it recorded by Philip uh, uh, Bailey, Cynthia Clausen. It was real big in the CCM world. And what song was that again? Bring It to Jesus. Oh, y'all wrote that. Get out of here. Yeah, my brother and a guy named Raymond Brown. Yeah, I remember them. Cynthia Clausen, all of them were. Oh, yeah. Wow. They were oh, top of the game back in the 70s. And yeah, they all recorded that song, Bring to Jesus. It's a really good song. It's it real big yeah. for the PCM market, but uh, I brought it to Black through Beverly and, and Bobby Jones mm-hmm. and, and gave it a invitation. Uh-huh. Excellent. Wow, man, I'm telling you. Um, okay, Ricky Dillard. Tell me about Ricky Dillard. Oh, on. God. I was with Ricky when he got his record deal. Yes. He got his record deal on a Muscle Show song, Gospel, uh, with a good friend of mine named Butch McGee. And, uh, and so I, when I have coached him in his very early days, and of course me and Ricky go way back, you know, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a phenomenal choir director. I mean, I mean his uh, his uh, vision of, of that music is just unparalleled. It is. He's one of the best when it comes to choir music. He knows how to get the best out of a choir. He does. So blessed to do that. Some people are just gifted to do certain things, you know, mm-hmm. with certain excellence. Yes. He's uh, one of the best in that area that I know. Yes, he is. Um, two of the best directors I know of uh, right now is uh, Orlando Draper before he passed oh, like and it. Ricky Dillard. Unbelievable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, you've worked with uh, Patty Alston, Ali Woodson before he passed. Oh God, Kate Franklin. I mean, in- well, yeah, those y'all got that was just two greats right there. You about them is just a whole a movie there alone. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just an honor to work, and yeah. I had the opportunity to work extremely close with both of them, Clifton Davis. Yes, I've worked with so many. I just been so blessed, Luther, to work really behind the scenes. I mean. Close, close, and the house is kind of close. Wow. With so many artists like Albertina Walker. I used to go to a house, and she would, she would ask me what kind of clothes she had people to bring clothes out. We would pick out clothes for her to play. <laughs> I mean, that could go to the shopping with her, you know. Wow. I mean, the caravans that, you know, oh, all the stories they told me, man, uh, is just, yeah. and, oh, I, my mind is just blown up from all yeah. these things I've learned from all these major talents. I just feel so blessed. Yes. You know, that, that's why even today uh, in this interview, Derek, I feel honored. I feel blessed. And, uh, and I feel, uh, you know, just uh, 
honored, man, to 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 have you on the show. And uh, and I don't take your experience and what you've done, your talent, your ability, uh, lightly. And the Bible tells us to give honor where honor is due. And some people just uh, do double honor, my brother, and that's and that's what you do right now. You do double honor. We thank God for you. I be the glory. Yes, indeed. Now, um, so what what do you do for fun? Um, interior decorating. That's one of my side pieces. Wow. Uh, and I love artwork. I love uh, mm -hmm. museums, and mm -hmm. I love fashion. Mm -hmm. I, I guess because I got that from my sister being a fashion designer. Yes, you know, she taught me about you know Georgette and great mm -hmm. satins, and I can look at a fabric and know what it is, and I can look at. Wow. She taught me to if you look at a good garment, turn it inside out, then look at the finishings. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I learned that's one of my side things I love to do. Mm -hmm. I love to go to. Let's see flowers. I love flowers. Mm. You know, I've got flowers mm. in my house at all times. Fresh flowers. I just love that. You know. Yeah, see something behind you there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that archie side. I guess of me. I don't know. Now you you like creative things and you like um, uh, decorating. Uh, did you get that from Earlene or was you know, I got that, well, I got some of that. A lot of that from my older sister, the fashion designer. Okay. Well, she took me to. Um, when I was, you know, in high school, to uh, international boutique shows because she had a major job down in Newark called McKinnon's Fashion. Her and her husband, okay. and she okay. did all original designs for her. But they would go; mm -hmm. she would take me to uh, the international boutique shows in New York with all the designers and coming to, to show their designs to for, for different stores and companies that I'll be buying for the next season. Right. So I used to do that every year with her as well. She taught me about uh, French cuisine, crepes, and all those kinds of things. So I learned that that refining side of me yeah. through her. That's amazing. And uh, unfortunately, she just passed a, a few months ago. I miss oh, her. Sorry to hear that. Dearly, yeah. yeah sorry to hear that. Older sister. Yeah, you have my condolences, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, seasons change. Uh, Bishop Paul Morton and the Queen herself. Absolutely, Aretha. Aretha Franklin. Tell me about that experience. That was a piece I did. Well, we cut the record actually in L.A. She, uh, no, uh, Bishop wasn't, they were there, but uh, me and Sanchez, a guy named Sanchez Harley did that. But I, I had great time to work with both of them. I, I did a Christmas record. I did several records for Bishop Morton. Mm -hmm. I did a Christmas record that I just never got his due. I don't know what happened. The record label kind of went on a little, I don't know, sabbatical when it was taken mm -hmm. out. But mm -hmm. uh, it was a lot of off-the-cuff arrangements I did on the spot for him. And mm -hmm. it really is a great record, you know. And But going to the Queen, I was in uh, New Orleans working on a, a television tape with Dr. Jones. Mm -hmm. And um, I got a call from her to come to Detroit to do so, some some songs to record some songs with her. She liked my style. Mm -hmm. We had been going to her revivals, like the Jones, the New Life would go to her revivals. She liked the way I, you know, my style. Yeah. So we'll make a long story short. So I went to cut a song called uh, uh, "Friends" that was mm -hmm. written initially by Ray Charles mm -hmm. or him and her, but he passed away. Yeah. So she wanted to do the song anyhow because it was a great song. So I went and I rearranged the song, and when she heard it, she said, "Oh my God, I love this." <laughs> and we, we developed a, a very interesting thing at that time. And so she recorded that song with Shirley Caesar, Pastor Shirley Caesar. And then I did a Richard Smallwood song. Mm -hmm. I think the name of it now for her that she did with Aaron Clark. And those two songs were the, 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 
the thing that when I really got to know her and, and work with yes, her closely. Mm -hmm. Wow, man, you're you're a man of of great experience. Uh, a man who's done BET for over thirty five years with Dr. Jones. Wow, um, I'm sure that was a wonderful uh, experience. And uh, oh my God, tell, tell me just a little bit, because I'm sure that's like a five ten hour discussion right there. That's so, tell me a little bit about the BET experience. Well, you know, uh, what my job was as a music director, of course, was to do the back line. That means to uh, order all the instruments, every chord, everything that would be needed, you know, to do the musical side of the show, mm -hmm. as well as to teach Dr. Jones to select music arrangements, to teach Dr. Jones, teach the band, teach the choir, and prepare them uh, uh, stage-wise for the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we would do, you know, maybe like four or five songs for each show, and then I would have to uh, teach them to perform with the guest artists as well. Right. So it was a piece of work. It was, when I tell you, a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, after we, we would take the whole season in two weekends. Wow. Yeah. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and right. then go home for two days and then fly back and then take wow. the, next, the next half of the season. Mm -hmm. And you talk about a lot of work, you know. I mean, because it's rolling fast. It's really so hey, yeah. yeah, you know, and there's no there's no room for error. It's, it's the right the first time. Wow. It, it's got to go, you know. So yeah, because that camera's rolling, you don't have time oh to look God, at that, start over again. And time is ticking, and, and every second, mm -hmm. you know, and television is about seconds. You look like it, you know, everything has to be timed. I would have to time the songs to the second, mm -hmm. you know, and then, of course, they would do all the blocking, how things had to be, you mm -hmm. know, the camera shots. It was a lot of work. Wow. It was a major, major experience mm -hmm. that I will never forget. It really trained me and yeah. molded me to pr approach anything on the spot, yeah. be, you know, be ready yeah. for it. <laughs> because television and live shows, you know, is... Uh, you know, it, it, anything can happen. And yeah. let me tell you, everything possible has happened on that show. Um, tell me one experience of something that went wrong. Okay. We were doing a show at Channel 2, mm -hmm. and uh, it was the O'Neill Twins. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, who else? It was the O'Neill Twins. It was the Barrett Sisters mm -hmm. and New Life on the platform stage they had in Channel 2. And... The stage broke in half in the middle of the stage, and all of them went down into the middle of the stage. <laughs> Let me give you another little quick funny little story. There was a group from New Jersey, a quiet thing. I think this is at Channel 2 as well. And they were doing this song with this guy on the cross. Mm -hmm. And they had got this guy, oh, it was a big dramatic piece there. Oh, and they had it all staged and everything. Mm -hmm. And when the dramatic moment got to the climax, the cross broke and Jesus fell and hit the floor. <laughs> now, I, I don't even have to tell you what happened as that. Of course, I ran out of the studio. I mean, <laughs> Jesus hit the floor. <laughs> That is funny, man. There's so many, many stories of backyard outtakes that you would just... What, what Dr. Jones needs to do are bloopers. You need to do... It would be a hit. <laughs> oh, my God. You have no idea what stuff went on. Oh, my God. I tell you, look, you told me about this group the, last, the first time I interviewed you. Uh, the song is called Breakthrough. 
Please forgive me. What was the name of that group? Again? Okay, this is a group called the Fryson Brothers. Fryson Brothers. And uh, these these young these guys grew up uh, like my I mean literally my brothers in my father's church. Mm. Awesome. And their family was a singing family from mm. like when they was two up to eight years old. It was ten mm. of them, and they had like a little hit song called "Do What the Good Book Says." Mm. That was back in the um, late sixties, early seventies. Wow. But nevertheless, we you know we, we maintained our friendship all this time, and oh. um, they had a group. So they just went down to just the guys. They let the girls go, and they went to just the guys. <laughs> and now it's just two of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just produced this record. It's really a, a great record. And mm-hmm. uh, the first single is called Breakthrough, written by Alvin Dolan's son. You know, Alvin Dolan um, mm-hmm. is mine. But mm-hmm. his son is just as talented, but it's a little younger, fresh edge to it. But this mm-hmm. is a song that lends to his father's flavor. It's got that victory, that old school feel to it. Yeah. It's yeah. a great little song, and I think it's going to catch on to people because we need a breakthrough right now. I think so, and uh, yeah, awesome song, the Fleissen Brothers, here they are, you're going to love it, song entitled Breakthrough. Come and follow. 
Lastly, I want to talk about the song Calvary. Okay, this is a song that uh, was written by a good friend named DeWitt Johnson. You might remember him from the 70s with the BCM Choir and the uh, Johnson Ensemble. He had big kids, Show Me the Way, I Want to Live So I Can Use Me, and Harvest is Plentiful, Glad Being God's Service. He wrote a lot of big songs, and when he paints them all, I want to combine the two choirs and do like a reunion. And I have a new song that I, I really think uh, is, you know, they do well. And uh, he came to me, and um, this song was called Calvary. And so we, we did it on Mother's Day, uh, actually now, a year before last. We're just really getting out, and um, it's a great song. He's such a great traditional writer, you know, and, and I think, you know, people need to, still need to hear those kinds of songs. We've gotten so contemporary and so slick now, so we're losing where we came from, and I think that's that's a disservice to the to to the people that got us where we are because because of them that we're able to do what we're doing today, and the young people that don't have the respect that they should have for our pioneers like the James Stevens, like the the Caravans, like the Cleopas Robinsons, like the Mahalia Jacksons, Carol Ward, and. You know, those people are, you know, they were, they were phenomenal artists. And I'm, you know, I'm, I feel so blessed I've worked with uh, most of them before they died. And, and you know, to, to realize the, the, the un, uh, oh my God, unmeasured level of talent and, and just the, the mental concepts these people had. You know, but it, at that time, that's what it was about. Now, you just look at so people have to learn how to respect people, you know, how they got to where they got. And I thank God for your talent, your your ability, and your love that you have for Christ. And we're living in a time that's really dangerous, mm -hmm. uh, uncertain. We live in uncertain times. So to close us out with a final word of encouragement, Derek, what would you say to our viewers and our listeners today Um uh, what word of encouragement would you give them looking into that camera? I would say never give up on your dreams. Mm -hmm. You are uniquely designed and made. And God gave you something that he gave no one else. And it would be a disservice for you to keep it to yourself. You've got to go and get it out and share it with the world. That's why he gave it to you. Awesome. Unbelievable. Derek Lee, the man, the music. We just love you, my brother, and you keep doing what you're doing, man, okay? Thank you so much. God bless you, and thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me here at Invest in the Word podcast. Reach out to me today at investintheword.org. And Word Warriors, remember, the Word of God. We must learn it. We must live it. Then we must share it. See you next time for the next Invest in the Word podcast episode. I'm Elder Lucy Baker. See you then.